coming in hot. This is the Exit View Podcast. Today on the Exit View Podcast, we'll be talking about Alex Cora getting fired, more on the sign stealing scandal. And additionally, we'll also be talking about Josh Donaldson, who is colloquially dubbed the bringer of rain, who just signed a huge contract with the Twins and what effect they'll have on the AL Central as well as the third base trade market. Today, I am AJC, otherwise known as Adam Cohen, and I'm with Christian Hugh Corenta. How are you doing, Christian? I'm doing well today. I'm ready to talk about some baseball. Lots of things going on, and let's get right into it. Yeah, without further ado, let's dive in. Everyone knew Cora would be hit hard by Major League Baseball, and we're actually still waiting on uh, how long he'll be banned or suspended for, but recently the Red Sox did just fire him. And it was really funny, actually, because the Red Sox, on the same day that they eventually fired him, said that they weren't going to, which was, of course, utter BS. And it is pretty interesting because Cora got fired even before MLB gave him the punishment. So we have to believe that MLB will lay down the law with Cora just like they did with one Howe and Hinch in about a week or so, if that. And Cora and the Red Sox, they didn't quite put it as he got fired, but they mutually parted ways. They had to be PC there, which is pretty hilarious in its own right. And Cora, if you guys have not been keeping up the scandal or did listen to the last Azifield podcast, Cora was the Astros bench coach in 2017. The Astro, and the Red Sox manager, excuse me, in 2018 and 2019. So essentially, Cora was both part of the Astro sign-stealing scandal and the Red Sox sign-stealing scandal. And in his statement, he said he'd be a distraction to the Boston Red Sox organization. So he also felt like it was the right move to separate, itself, separate himself from the organization, organization. Christian, two World Series championship teams just lost a manager in the last two days. Will this negative attention directly affect the clubhouse and team atmosphere of the Red Sox and Astros? Most definitely. And I'd have to say for the Astros, even more so, because it was in the wake of uh, Hurricane Harvey that devastated Houston, and they literally were making a comeback. And that team revitalized the city like Drew Brees did with Hurricane Katrina. And uh, the Red Sox are going to feel it as well because – Teams are going to maybe throw at them. That's a little far, but teams are going to heckle them. And literally, it's just tainted. And no one's going to look at them the same, those teams, because they were looked at as the gold standard of what a team should be. But now we know they had a competitive edge that was not fair that could be compared to steroids and other things that baseball just is trying to get away from. But they just seem time in and time out to not be able to play a clean game the whole year. Just someone's cheating in some way, in some form or another. And this is just one other example of baseball just needs to clean it up somehow. I don't know what they're going to do, but I like how Manfred has handled this. Selig, his biggest uh, knock against him was he wasn't as harsh. But Manfred, I got to give him credit. He levied the penalties very quickly. He got all the evidence. And Cora's punishment hasn't come down yet, but it's going to be bad. He's going to get five years. He might get a lifetime ban because he was on both squads. And if you can't call him anything, you can call him definitely an orchestrator of both of these scandals. And it's going to knock baseball off its ASS, if you know what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. You did bring up a very good point. I mean, the Astros, it might affect them even more than the Red Sox because you're right, they were coming off Hurricane Harvey, and it was a really, really big get-together uh, for the Astros where they had football players, they had baseball players, kind of the entire city that came together, America came behind them and supported them through that tough time. So it's definitely going to affect their, you know, clubhouse atmosphere, the Red Sox too. And you might see something along the lines of 2013 Ryan Dempster throwing at A-Rod on purpose. We could see some Red Sox and Astros. Definitely. And I don't want anyone to get a ball thrown at their head or anything like that, but there will be balls thrown behind them. I, I believe so, but heckling by fans will definitely occur. Players, just people will not respect them. Clubhouses will not respect them when they come to town at all. They literally cheated their way to a World Series championship, and it utterly is disrespectful to the city of Houston, a great city, a resilient city. And honestly, I've been reading articles. The people of Houston are faculty embarrassed. They're disgraced. And they literally feel like they were fools. It was like a, it was a false sense of hope, a false sense of, you know, pride and everything else. And literally feel like the, the carpet has been taken out from under their feet in one fell swoop. And it's disgusting, frankly. It is very disgusting and very disturbing. And I think we can both agree that there's no biggest loser than the other MLB organization organizations, excuse me, and the other fans of every other fan base besides maybe the Astros and Red Sox because they got to keep their ring. But nonetheless, this is completely awful for baseball, which is desperately trying to repopulize the sport. Are we going to see a similar trend to the 1994 player strike where the MLB fan base will take a very big hit from the scandal? Most certainly. I literally was thinking about this the other day. You know, the pace of play is a big issue you know, the taint of steroids, everything else, and they just did not need this baseball. They were making some good moves. They were getting, they were getting some popularity back. The facts about baseball, which I believe is the biggest knock, is it can't attract new demographics of fans. Fans of baseball are usually players that are played from a young age or your grandfather, your father, your mother, whoever in your family watched games growing up and you were there and you grew an affinity for it. And they just can't get other people who like football and like basketball, like hockey, their whole lives to get interested midlife into baseball. And that's a big facet of other sports that are doing well, like basketball. A lot of people are getting interested in basketball now because it's fast-paced, it's less injury-plagued, it's less cheating there's a lot of things, a lot of factors going on that's going to hurt baseball. I don't know if it'll go as far as 94, but it's going to be bad because fans feel cheated. And I'm sure players feel even more cheated because I'm hearing quotes from uh, players. I think a pitcher in particular, Phil Hughes, said he wanted his uh, records uh, erased against Altuve, Springer, and the whole rest of them, because it's, it's just not fair. I certainly agree with you there. I mean, as I mentioned, this is just, and you certainly agree with this too, it's completely awful with baseball, and it just gives fans and players another reason 
to take themselves away from the game, especially because there's so many people, unlike me, whose baseball is my main sport that I follow. There's a lot of people such as you, Christian, who are into a variety of sports. And this whole scandal just gives them another reason to not follow baseball, another reason to watch a faster-paced game, and it just isn't good for the sport. Well, most definitely. They did not need this. This was the last thing that baseball needed, and cheating is just synonymous with baseball now. Whether you like it or not, it's a game I grew up on. It's a game I played. It's a game I love. But I've grown to like sports that I didn't even like growing up because baseball is just, in other words, fell off a little bit because of all the taint and all the clout. And it stinks. And it just fairly, I think Manfred is good for baseball, but the players are the real problem here. And I think, the, the, you know, the managers and the GMs, you can fire them and everything else. But I think in your next segment, segment you'll get into a, a little further what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's a great segue into next segment. And there was, you did touch upon already about what Phil Hughes said, and there is a general consensus among players and GMs across Major League Baseball from David Freeze, Mark Teixeira, CeCe Sabathia, and Phil Hughes that the Astros should be stripped of their title and the players involved in the scandal should be facing penalties, perhaps even bans for life. And there's also common agreement in the baseball world that owner Jim Crane, who, yes, did not know of the scandal, despite owning the organization himself, and the Astros players are the victors of the scandal, they essentially ought to keep their reign, their paycheck, and face no repercussions from Manfred and MLB. They have an entire clean slate. Manfred did say way back when in 2017 that the Yankees and Red Sox were both caught for sign-stealing smartwatches, that the players would not be involved, and Manfred has since kept his promise. But by knowing this information, Q, should Manfred have given the Astros players and Jim Crane harsh penalties? I know he sent a uh, precedent by saying he wouldn't affect players, but I truly believe that's the only way you can levy something that will stop cheating, not for good, but for a majority for the future. Because the players were the ones doing it. They were the ones who hatched the idea. I know the managers and the GMs turned a blind eye, and that is bad. But the whistleblower, Fears or Fears, how do you you pronounce his name? Fires. (laughs) Fires, there we go. But, you know, he should be commended. But, you know, he's going to be called the snitch. But the players have to be held accountable because they're the ones who are benefiting. They get millions of dollars. And I played baseball. You played baseball. How much easier would it be if someone told you if it's going to be off-speed or a fastball right before the pitch? It'd be a lot easier. Yeah, I certainly agree. I mean, anything you can do in baseball that can give you the edge, especially at that level, can certainly help. And I want to go back to the point you made about how Manfred should have kind of set a precedent with the players that – They should have been given penalties. I mean, we don't have to go back way back when to 1919 where they banned them for life. But something along the lines of like a 50-game suspension or maybe just half their pay cut was reduced, like that that would set the tone all over it. And yes, you don't want something like 1919 where eight players got banned from the Chicago White Sox or Black Sox, you can give them both names, but... That that's kind of pretty much stopped all of it. 
that stopped that from pretty much happening again, at least at a very big level. So almost kind of over-punishing the Astros would have been a better move here, don't you think? Oh, 100%. I, I would have went further. I would have went at least one season, maybe two, because they literally affected an historical outcome of the game. You can never repair that. I mean, taking away, vacating championships, it's just a gray area, and it's kind of just very complicated. But the as Yankee fans and, and as Dodger fans, I would feel very cheated, and I would be very, very just tight and angry, and I would feel like, oh, like screaming, because, like we said, if you knew what's coming in baseball, if you played the game at all, anyone can attest to this, you might not know perfectly where the pitch is going to be, but if you know it's going to be a fastball or it's going to be a curveball, a slider, a changeup, knuckle curve, the list goes on. It's a huge advantage, and it can determine games. And when they play the Yankees that series, Literally, you can see the effect at home in the Bronx. Yankees, 2-1, close games. They go to Houston. It's like blowouts. They're putting eight runs up, six runs. And there's a clear correlation there. And it just wasn't fair. And mm, I don't know how they can live with themselves. Because how they think they were going to get away with that forever, I don't know how anyone didn't hear the banging all this time and didn't put two and two together. I'm surprised it didn't come out sooner, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it is pretty funny because out of all ways they could have stole signs, I mean, the video camera in center field was very smart. But banging the trash can, I mean, that's just, that's just kind of silly at that point. Yeah, it's like a caveman, you know? It's like very <laughs> rudimentary. I thought, I thought there would be something more sophisticated than that, and I'm surprised it didn't come out sooner, like... Didn't someone along the lines like, hey, what's that banging noise every time, you know? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> exactly. The banging noise has to be pretty loud if the players can hear it. So it's just hilarious. But I do kind of want to hone in on how despicable this is. I mean, even one of the more despicable people in baseball history, the very outspoken Pete Rose, who gambled on himself, which frankly I've always – thought wasn't too bad, but he gave a statement on the scandal and said that he can even never imagine himself doing something so drastic. And just more on Rose for a second, this might be a far out, even ludicrous question, but do you think the scandal helps Pete Rose's case in any way? Certainly. Guy has 4,000 plus hits. That will never be done again. And if you're going to be light on this kind of stuff, the calls for him to get to the Hall of Fame are going to get louder and louder and louder because the players are not punished. He was punished severely, and he bet on himself. I don't even think that's bad. But obviously, betting and baseball cannot be done. I understand that. There's a clear line. Betting now is becoming more prominent in our country. It was a lot different back then. He bet on himself. There's a book, a log of it clearly showing he never bet against his own team. He never threw a game like Shula Joe Jackson and all of them, who literally was a great ball player. And he'll ever be known for, you know, cheating. And to this day, there's controversy whether he even was even part of it. So I have to say Pete Rose will make the Hall of Fame one day. It might be after his death posthumously, but the dude played the game the right way. 
4,000 hits. He played hard. He slid hard. He barrel catches. Love to see him in old videos. It just sucks. I never got to see him live. But my father, my grandfather would always say to me, Pete Rose was the best player they ever saw beside Willie Mays. So that's all I'm going to say on that. He was certainly a very hard-nosed player, a very respected player in his time. And as I mentioned, he, he never did something as despicable as science stealing of cameras. I mean, not that they had it then, but he wouldn't have done that. He just gambled himself. And, you know, great point mentioning that he never threw a game or went against his own team. So comparatively, he did nothing as bad as these Astros players. And he's he got vindicted for this. The Astros players did not. I mean, you know, Pete Rose is definitely going to be very more outspoken about this, probably trying to help his own case, maybe try to get in the Hall of Fame or get the band lifted before he passes. And we can see, we can hear some loud voices that are going to be supporting his case now. No, most certainly. I mean, come on. He never threw anything. And he's one of the best baseball players that ever lived. And frankly, his life kind of took a hit after that. He's the gold standard. I feel like what he did kind of signified how he played. He had confidence in himself. He played hard. He lived hard. Kind of, you know, he he bounced on the boundaries a little bit, and he bet on his own team. But that kind of exemplified how he played. He believed in himself so much, it carried on to his managerial career. And it sucks, but I think he'll get some redemption in the end. And times and, you know, attitudes will change, but we'll have to see. This certainly helps his case for sure, though. One of the best attributes that you can get as a baseball player is just be called, he's a ball player. And you were exactly right when you said that Pete Rose did everything right as a player, his hard nose, had confidence, self. He was truly the embodiment of a player uh, during his time. But moving on from Pete Rose and kind of just wrapping up this part of the podcast, the section about the science stealing scale, let's get into the final couple parts that. Uh, happened today that came out uh, via Twitter and Bleach Report, which is very huge in baseball. And it's that the Yankees, as a good amount of people know, had Beltran as a special advisor in the 2019 season. And at the time, they subsequently named him the best acquisition heading to last season. And Cora also hinted at Beltran Yankees' connection to the sign-stealing scandal. Meanwhile, MLB has found no evidence against the Yankees on the scandal. Christian, you're a Mets fan. I'm a Yankees fan. We both have very different opinions about the Yankees, but let's be unbiased here. Are they writing off the Yankees on sign-stealing scandal too soon? No, oh, I mean, Beltran, for one, was talking to Paxton saying, hey, they must know something. And uh, I'm a Mets fan, and that doesn't sit well with me, you know? That really is kind of despicable. But the Yankees, if I was a Yankees fan, I'd be, I'd be vehement right now. You guys got literally robbed, and they never will get the World Series back that they should have had or the chance at it. And, you know, I would literally probably hate the, the feeling in my stomach right now. Probably I'd be throwing up if I was a Yankees fan to be robbed like that. I mean, we went to the – not even we. I hate when people do that as fans. The Mets went to the World Series and lost. That's fine. I could live with that. No one cheated us. 
whatever, the ball went through uh, Murphy's legs. That's fine. I can live with that. But if I knew the Royals were stealing signs and all this, I would be screaming right now. I wouldn't even be happy to get up every day because that's how much I love the Mets, and I know that's how much you love the Yankees. And as an overall aggregate, I feel like Yankees fans, not to bash Mets fans, are a little more passionate and want to win because they tasted it a lot more than us. You agree? <laughs> I certainly agree. And Yankees fans, they did not have their team go to the World Series in the 2010s, which is the first time Yankees haven't appeared in the World Series since the 1910s. So imagine if they went to the World Series in 2017 and 2018. Both were very good teams. But just, just going back to the original question a bit, may have gone a bit, a little bit on a tangent, but if the Yankees had some idea that the Red Sox were sign-stealing, they would be doing it too. And as recently as 2017, they were both using smartwatches before Rob Manfred told them to cut it out. And yes, it does help the Yankees' case that Manfred said the Yankees are not guilty right now. They're the Yankees. And if one team is doing this, such as their rivals, the Red Sox, they could also be using sign-stealing technology, which they have been doing in the past before Manfred told them to cut it out. So do you think the Yankees could eventually part of this whole sign-stealing scandal as well? Maybe. I think a lot of teams maybe have done it, but they didn't win. The winners are always going to be treated harshly. And I think if you look at outcomes, you can clearly see some correlations. As I you know, aforementioned, if we get some more evidence, none has really come out so far, but I don't see any banging in the Bronx. I mean, you know, there might be some, but uh, uh, I think Yankee fans, for the most part, got robbed. But we'll see as this investigation continues. I'm sure there's a lot more to come out of this Pandora's box, put it that way. That's true. While there is a good chance the Yankees could be a part of the scandal, for the time being, they have the utmost right to feel robbed and disappointed that teams like the Astros and the Red Sox kind of took away the World Series from them. But let's, for the last part of this segment, let's talk a little bit more about Beltron. There was a uh, quote that came out on Twitter about the Mets, and it signaled about the Mets that, quote-unquote, they were wavering on their support on Beltron. Although Beltron, because he was a player at the time in 2017, will almost certainly receive no repercussions from Major League Baseball or Rob Manfred. Will he get fired from the Mets? And additionally, further down the road, could we see Bellatron's involvement from the scandal affect his Hall of Fame case? Well, personally, I think they should have never hired him in the first place. He has no experience as a, as a manager. But I don't think anything will really happen to him from the Mets' standpoint but maybe his aura, his reputation will get tainted. But the steroid era is slowly passing. Those players will get in. I think he'll get into because baseball, as much as it sucks, has to accept the taint that comes with this era. The days of Willie Mays, of Jackie Robinson, of Bob Gibson, of all the great players that supposedly did it the right way and – there's no evidence to ever say they didn't. They're gone. And it sucks for the players that still do it the right way who have to be grouped in with these bunch of cheaters, basically, you know? 
You are very right, and you are very correct in saying that right now with the Hall of Fame, they're slowly getting around so the players took steroids, and when Beltron becomes eligible and you can stay on the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot for 10 years, by that time, he might not be a first Hall of Fame, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer at this point, but he will probably still get in, and at that point, probably towards the end of his eligibility on the Hall of Fame ballot, they'll probably start to warm up to him. So it doesn't affect his case too, too much. No, most definitely. You're, you're going to let all these other people in. He, he'll get into Not first ballot, for sure. But he cheated. The rest of them cheated. A lot of people cheated, and that's baseball. It's definitely hard to hear that, but it's very, very accurate nowadays. But let's talk about some other baseball news that's not about sign stealing. We have talked about that a lot in the last two podcasts, including this one. Let's talk about something fun, something different. Josh Donaldson, the bringer of rain, signed a four-year, $92 million contract with the Twins with a fifth-year club option that can max out the contract to $104 million. In 2019 alone, Donaldson had 37 home runs, a 259, 379, 521 slash line, 15 defensive runs saved, 2.4 ultimate zone rating, and 4.9 F4. Additionally, his 132 weighted runs rate of plus 377 weighted on base percentage, 292 better balls in play, and an average exit feel of 92.1 miles per hour. I know I threw a lot of stats at you, but all of these stats show they have continued success both offensively and defensively in 2020. Additionally, this was a very surprising signing since the Braves, Nationals, and even the Rangers were heavily in on Donaldson, but no one wanted him that fifth year that made the contract go over $100 million. Q, what do you think of his signing for the Twins? I think the signing is very big. They crushed the home run record last year. They might hit about 330 this year, or they might have regression. It's definitely a steal away from the Nationals that took it last year. The Twins will be a team to watch, but they still can't pitch. And that's a huge, huge aspect and facet of the game. And they may need a trade, Sano, as we will further get into. But you can hit all you want. You still need some pitching. We will get more into Sano in just a bit. But right now, let's just focus on their hitting part. You did mention they could hit 300-plus homers, perhaps even 330. They did lose C.J. Crone and Jonathan Scope to free agency. They weren't that great for them, but they still hit a combined 45-plus home runs. Donaldson should make up for that, and they'll also have perhaps even more healthy seasons from Buxton and Sano. So do you think the Twins at least get 300-plus home runs in 2020? On paper, I want to believe that. Donaldson had a really good year to get himself some money. He's a veteran. I'm going to have to side with regression, though. Maybe not, but there's always the chance that they do have a mesh, mesh-filled year. A lot of mashed potatoes out there, but I don't think so. I think the Yankees lineup, the Dodgers lineup, is a lot more scary to me. On paper, though, yeah, I'd say so. But in practice, pitchers are going to get better and better. Scouting reports, analytics, I think teams are going to learn how to pitch to them. That certainly could be the chase, and I would say more likely than not, it could be a bit of an outside chance from the 300. Not totally impossible, and they can definitely do it, 
but maybe not as probable as we think. You also are bringing a great segue into, our, into the next part about the Twins, and that is just their lineup as a whole. Now, the projected lineup for 2020 is Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz, Josh Donaldson, Eddie Rosario, Miguel Sino, Mitch Garver, Luis Arise, and Byron Buxton. Do they have the best lineup in all of baseball? And how do they compare to the Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, A's, and White Sox in terms of best lineup? I'd say they have the third best lineup in all of baseball behind number one, the Yankees, number two, the Dodgers, then them, then the A's, then the Astros, and then lastly, the White Sox. They're there. They hit a lot of home runs, but I don't think they're as scary as the Yankees or the Dodgers. And again, pitching and hitting, you might not think they're correlated, but they kind of are. You can mash all these home runs, and it might not equate to winning. You can look really scary on paper like the Phillies did last year, but it might not come out to anything. So we will wait and see. That's my prediction. That's a very reasonable prediction. I find it interesting how you put the Twins over the Astros, over the A's, over the White Sox. Some people might disagree with you there. Personally, I can agree with you about the Astros. I think the Twins lineup is slightly more dynamic than the Astros. And uh, it was interesting also that you put the A's over the Astros in terms of lineup. I kind of disagree with you there because they have MVP candidates like Alex Bregman, George Springer, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve. The A's, meanwhile, most of their offense comes from Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, and Marcus Semien. That's not to say the A's offense won't be better, but I do have to disagree with you there. Oh, no, of course. There'll always be some disagreement. I'm just predicating that little prediction on, you know, the scandal and everything else. I feel like there'll be a lot of clout, and the Astros will have not as good years as they've had in years past. Things will start to get, a, you know, a little bit of a trough for them. You may very well be right. Because, as we mentioned before, this whole scandal can definitely affect the clubhouse and thus affect the team and thus affect their record. But let's, let's dive into the next topic, and that is with Donaldson off the market, will the trade market for Nolan Arenado and Chris Bryant heat up? Most definitely. We're hearing reports for Arenado with the Cardinals and Chris Bryant. Interestingly enough, I'm hearing the Braves might try to make a run in a two-year deal for him with the trade, and I think those are two great moves, and it'll heat up very quickly because he was he was the golden chip that everyone could get, and now people like the Braves don't have a third baseman or a clear one, and they're they're going to go for one, and Bryant might be the guy for them for sure. Yes, there are several teams like the Braves, like the Nationals, possibly the Cardinals too with their interest in Arenado, as well as the Rangers who could all use a third baseman. There's not too many third basemen out there. Both Arenado and Bryant have issues regarding their contract with Bryant. If his grievance is agreed upon by Major League Baseball, he'll be a free agent in 2021. If not, He'll be a free agent in 2022, which is difficult uh, to decide. As for Arenado, his ginormous 
eight-year, $260 million deal. The team will have to pick it up. He's definitely worth it, worth it as a player, but it'll still be a lot of money to take on. So this goes into what you mentioned earlier and that what no one is talking about right now in the game, and this is really surprising too, is that Miguel Sano, who is the Twins' third baseman in 2019, is now expendable for the Twinkies and is a trade candidate. And don't forget, Marlon Gonzalez is a very solid player for the Twins. He's been a very, very solid player the last few years. He also played first base, and he played first base much better defensively than Sano. Additionally, teams such as the Nationals, the Rangers, the Braves, the Cardinals, they all may want cheaper options and less kind of, you know, grievance-heavy options like Bryant. And he's, Sano is, very affordable at three years, $30 million. You also mentioned earlier that the Twins need pitching. And their rotation is led by Jose Barrios and Jacob Arizzi. Their bullpen is led by Taylor Rogers, Tyler Clippert, and Sergio Romo. The Yankees destroyed their staff in the postseason in 2019. And right now, the Twins are bringing up pretty much the same rotation in 2020. Additionally, teams such as the Astros, A's, White Sox, Blue Jays, and Red Sox can all tear their pitching to pieces. Their pitching staff, furthermore, is worse than the Yankees, Astros, Indians, and even the White Sox in the American League. Q, do you think the Twins should try to trade Sano? But more importantly, will they trade Sano? They definitely should. I don't think they will because that's not their mold. They kind of have the Mets phenomenon going on of sticking with one facet of how they like to play. They like to mash. The Mets like starting pitching. And these teams need to be more well-rounded. And maybe more years of losing will drill that into their thick skulls. But Sano could get you a number two, number three starter. That you know, people would want him. He's cheap. Just for example, Familia has the same exact contract as Sano. And that's crazy. <laughs> I take Sano any day over Jerry's Familia at this point. I, I can attest, I can agree with that too. I've long seen how Familia has negatively affected the Mets, and Sano's definitely an underrated bat. He has 30 homer power. And teams that are trying to be aggressive, like the Braves, Cardinals, and the Nationals, and the Cubs, and the Rangers, they can all maybe call in, but the Twins might not be ready to give up kind of a franchise player, someone they've had in their system for a while. It might. It's a good idea, but they might not actually trade them. Definitely. They need pitching, though. The Twins, if they can add pitching in both sides, front end and bullpen, could be a team to reckon with in years future. And they might just be playing it slow, adding pieces. I hope that's what they're doing and not being one-dimensional. As I'm a Mets fan and I'm seeing the Mets kind of being like that, hopefully they will think of the big picture and pitching wins games, bar none. There is the old adage that pitching is the most important part of baseball. You can never have too much pitching. That's the real adage right there. And the Twins certainly need pitching to compete with some of the better teams in baseball. But let's focus a bit more on the Braves and what they will do. They did call in about Chris Bryant. That's starting to heat up a little bit more. But Braves right now can still go with the mix of Austin Riley and John Carmargo 
at third base. It's not the worst platoon. Definitely not the type of role that Donaldson, they can't make up the role that Donaldson had last year, but they can still be pretty decent with that duo. They also have uber prospect Kristen Pache, who has potential to post accumulate numbers even in 2020. And so they can be all right without Donaldson. It would still just be a big hole for them. Additionally, the Braves, one of the reasons why they miss out on Donaldson is because they're very reluctant to hand out large contracts. Even Donaldson last year signing into that one-year, $25 million deal, very reasonable, took them a lot, took a lot out of the Braves. So the Braves may very well be looking inside their system for a viable option at third base and a big bat in the outfield. So, Q, the Braves do have very talented prospects in their farm system and easily have a chance at acquiring a third baseman in the trade market. Will the Braves add a player, or will they trust with what they have? I think Chris Bryant on the Braves could maybe put them over the top as he is also versatile, but I think they will stick within their system as the Yankees have done. I think they will look more towards starting pitching because they they frankly need that a little bit more. And they have players like Camargo, you, you mentioned, Castellanos maybe they might look at elsewhere. But if you have a good farm system, the Yankees have shown this as an example, as a guideline for teams around the league. If you got good hometown talent, you don't need to spend and spend and spend. But the Yankees have a fusion now with both. But if you got a good farm system, you got the right thing going. And I think they'll stick and say Pat right here. I do agree. The Braves can definitely trust with what they have. They have really good prospects. As I mentioned, they have Kristen Boucher, who's can fill up that gap in the outfield, push Inciarte in that platoon-like role that he should be in more as a defensive backup. They also have pitchers such as Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright, who could be the next Soroka or Freed for them, even as soon as 2020. But it will be interesting to see what the Braves will do. We will have to see. The Braves are quite a team. Nationals, Braves atop the NL East this year. Mets might be in the cellar. Beltran hasn't managed. The Marlins might even be better than them. So, ugh, as a Mets fan, I'm a little sick to my stomach, but at least we got Pete, folks. <laughs> yeah, at least you guys got Pete and DeGrom, and it should be a very fun and interesting season, especially with the scandal, especially with a lot of teams needing a third baseman, especially with a very, very competitive AL Central. But besides that, that's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Coming in hot. This is the Exit Veal Podcast.